Let's continue reading verses 19 through 22 of Ruth chapter 1. In this last section of Ruth chapter 1, we have the return of Naomi and Ruth from the land of Moab to Bethlehem in the land of Israel. Ruth chapter 1, verse 19. Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. And it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? So she said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi returned. And Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. Once again, let's consider a few background notes first of all. We see from verse 4 that at least 10 years had gone by since Naomi had gone to Moab with her husband Elimelech and her two sons Malon and Kilion. Now Naomi is a widow with no sons. Elimelech had died unexpectedly, and so had the two sons. Maybe all three deaths were a sign of God's discipline for leaving God's land of promise and going to a pagan land, and for intermarrying with the Moabites who worshipped foreign gods. We read in both Ezra chapter 9 and Nehemiah chapter 13 that intermarrying with Moabites was considered sin and required discipline. In any case, Naomi now decides to return home to Bethlehem. Naomi had heard that the years of famine were over, and once again there was bread in Israel. One of her widowed daughters-in-law, Orpah, remained in Moab. But Ruth, the other widowed daughter-in-law, in a great demonstration of faith, returned with Naomi to Bethlehem. In verse 19, we read that when they returned to Bethlehem, the city was excited because of them. And the women of the city said, Is this Naomi? This was probably not a statement of joy, but more of surprise and shock. Is this the same Naomi that used to live here? Time had taken its toll on Naomi. Naomi responds in verse 20, Do not call me Naomi, or pleasant, that's the meaning of her name, but call me Mara, or bitter, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Naomi, you see here, certainly does not have the joy of the Lord. Now, Naomi here is not necessarily bitter towards God, but she recognizes that her bitter experience is discipline from the Lord. Notice what she says in verse 21. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? Notice, by the way, that the people who stayed in Bethlehem and did not move out during the time of famine, they did not starve to death during the famine. They fared much better than Elimelech and his family, who left the land during the time of famine. In verse 22, we read that they returned at the beginning of the barley harvest. This would be in the springtime, in April or May. This verse prepares us for the happy events which will follow in the rest of the book, where we will see God continue to work out his sovereign plans for the lineage of Christ. Well, that brings us then to our teaching points or doctrinal points 
for this last portion of Ruth chapter 1. Doctrinal point number one. Naomi's life is a picture of the history of Israel. Naomi's life is a picture of the history of Israel. Throughout the Old Testament, we have many spiritual pictures that God has included in his word to illustrate the teaching of scripture. In the book of Ruth, we have several spiritual pictures from the characters in the book. The outstanding picture, of course, is Boaz, the kinsman redeemer. We will see that Boaz is a wonderful picture or type of Christ, our kinsman redeemer. The Lord is our kinsman or relative in that he became man and he's our redeemer. Now in Naomi, we have a picture of God's dealings with the nation of Israel. Thus, Naomi's life is a picture of the history of Israel. In fact, Naomi and Elimelech together in the beginning of the story are a picture of Israel. Elimelech's name means, my God is king. In the beginning of Israel's history, God was her king. But as Elimelech did not live up to his name, so Israel did not continue to make God her king. She turned away from the Lord and his laws. As Elimelech and his family left God's land of promise and went to a foreign land with its pagan gods, so Israel turned away from the living God to worship foreign idols. As God brought in discipline and the hard times that Naomi suffered, so God has had to discipline the Jewish people. They have suffered hard times and will continue to suffer hard times until they return to the Lord and until the Lord returns. The nation of Israel has been set aside temporarily from the place of privilege and blessing. All of this is pictured, you see, in Naomi's statements of verse 20 and 21. Let's read those verses again. So Naomi said to them, Do not call me Naomi, or pleasant, call me Mara or bitter, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? But now this brings us to the good news about Israel's history. Because of the hard times, the widow Naomi returned. And because of the hard times, the widow Naomi recognized and acknowledged that God rightly afflicted her. We've seen that in the verses we read. In the same way, because of the hard times and the tribulation that is yet to come, the nation of Israel, as a widow in need, will return to the Lord. They will not only return to the land, as we see them doing even now, but they will return to the Lord. Read Romans 11 in this connection. They will acknowledge the Messiah that they have rejected all these years, and they will acknowledge that they have been rightly afflicted and disciplined by God. Then there will come a time of great blessing for Israel, as there came a time of great blessing for Naomi soon after she returned. Israel will once again be the house of bread, spiritually speaking. That's what the name Bethlehem means, house of bread. And that blessing, of course, came to Naomi because of Boaz, who is a type of Christ in this spiritual picture. And in the same way, the future blessing of Israel is only because of Christ. 
who Israel will yet recognize as her true Messiah. Do you see the spiritual picture? Naomi's life is a picture of the history of Israel. Doctrinal point number two. Ruth's commitment is a picture of the faith of the church. Ruth's commitment is a picture of the faith of the church. We've already mentioned the great demonstration of faith that we see on the part of Ruth. Ruth is not only a model of faith for us to follow. Her commitment is a picture of the faith of the church. Ruth, remember, is a Gentile outside the covenant promises to Israel. But Ruth says to Naomi in verse 16, Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. In the same way, the faith of the church, which is primarily Gentile, the faith of the church is in the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Naomi, the God of the Bible. As Ruth turned her back on the gods of her surroundings, and by faith turned to the true God, so the true church around the world has turned from all foreign gods to the true God. As Paul said to the Thessalonians, in 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 9, you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And of course, Ruth becomes the bride of Boaz, the kinsman redeemer. We've already mentioned that Boaz is a wonderful type of Christ, our Redeemer. What a beautiful picture of the church we have in Ruth as the bride of Christ. Ruth's commitment, then, is a picture of the faith of the church. What about practical application? Practical application number one. Remember that the grass is not greener on the other side of the fence. Remember that the grass is not greener on the other side of the fence. Now, you've heard that expression before, right? Probably you heard it put the other way. The grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. We use this expression in reference to our jobs and our situations, etc. We're never satisfied. The next job is always greener grass. That other house is always a much better place greener grass on the other side of the fence. This expression comes from the world of sheep who always try to get out of the pasture to get what they think is better grass, greener grass on the other side of the fence. You know, I remember when we were driving through the countryside of Scotland, seeing a number of dead sheep along the road. How did that happen? Well, these were sheep that saw the greener grass on the other side of the fence and got out of the pasture and then were run over by automobiles. Well, this expression certainly applies in the spiritual realm. And let's put it in the way we've made our practical application. The grass is not greener on the other side of the fence. As Elimelech and Naomi found that the greener hills of Moab were not really greener in the spiritual sense, So many Christians have learned the hard way that the grass is not greener on the other side of the fence, spiritually speaking. The grass of this world may look greener, and it may be greener in the sense of money and other material things, but it is not greener in the spiritual sense. Illustration. You know, I just had a former student tell me this a couple of months ago from his own experiences. 
He tried the grass on the other side of the fence. He said it tasted great for a while, but it wasn't really greener. The sad point is that he's lost out eternally on a few years that he could have used to serve the Lord. Fortunately, he's returned to the Lord, but he's lost out on a number of years. Remember, the grass is not greener on the other side of the fence. Practical application number two. Remember, it's not too late yet to return. Remember, it's not too late yet to return. Maybe you're here this morning and you're in Moab, spiritually speaking, out of God's will. You know you're not where God wants you to be as to what you're doing with your life. Listen, it's not too late yet to return. I would like to say it's never too late to return, but I can't. There will come a time when it's too late. You only have so much life to live. What are you doing with your life? Are you in Moab or where the Lord wants you? Let me share with you an illustration along this line. A Christian man told me a number of years ago that he planned on getting his act together with the Lord in a few years. When he related this to me, he was already in his 40s. To my knowledge, he is still in the land of Moab, spiritually speaking. Where are you? Remember, it's not too late yet to return. 